0: Do you want to hear the greatest story? Yeah, I do. I went and saw Neil Finn a couple of years ago and he goes, anyone here like to get up on stage and play piano with me? This guy outside goes, oh yeah, I'll have go. So he gets him up. Yes. And then he goes, have you ever played piano before? And he goes, oh, nah. <laughs> he goes, oh, well, do you know where a C is? He goes, nah. He goes, oh, well, that one there, that's a C. Just keep pressing that one. <laughs> <laughs> just keep pressing that one. <laughs> oh, my God. Bon Jovi sound checking. we got to see this. But then we hear a um, guy whistling into a microphone. Yeah. It was John. And he goes, the kids can stay.
1: We're like, oh, cool. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Thanks, Johnny. It was a small theatre. And we went upstairs and there was a photo of Dire Straits who mm. did their very first rock palace there in 1982. Oh, wow. Which was just so cool. Yeah. So these bikies got in touch with this. give us gives 500 bucks so you don't get your singer back. <laughs> Holy shit! Welcome everyone, you
0: are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers and sometimes wrestlers. I am your host, the Sizz Dog. Thanks for joining me. It's a beautiful day here in Melbourne. I'm, uh... I'm actually recording this week's intro and outro on a Wednesday, so I'm very behind on my usual schedule of Tuesdays. So for my regular listeners, I do sincerely apologize. You didn't get your fix of Art of Turing yesterday, but today is the day it is being released, Uh, so thanks for uh, bearing with me. It is the school holidays, however, so I've had a couple of big reasons why my time has been stretched of late, and of course, I'm talking about the Twins. They turned five yesterday and ironically the podcast turned 1 year old as well so i had no idea I actually started this podcast around the same time as their birthday but there you go my twins are 5 the podcast is 1 it is all happening this week on the podcast i caught up with julian james singer for many bands uh, including the millionaires club he was in thunderstag he was in the shine um and a bunch of others uh, and also well known for uh he's a wrestling promoting over the years for wrestle rock and he does a bunch of work with mcw these days as well uh our conversation went for over two hours so uh i decided to split it up into part one and part two so this week you'll get to hear part one, where Julian tells a story of how he dealt with a fan who bum-rushed the stage at Revolver, uh, but to hear how the story ends. You'll have to keep listening. Art of Turing is brought to you every single Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday, and you can listen to Art of Turing on iTunes or on the Google Podcast app on your Android device. And remember, Art of Turing is part of the A Lot of Green Podcast Network, where you can check out all the other awesome podcasts on their network at lot There is some coarse language in this week's episode. We get a bit loose, so if you are listening with the kids, it might be a good idea to throw on the Teletubbies, then once they're dropped off at kindergarten, put Art of Turing back on. Now let's take a moment to hear from this week's sponsor. Episode 52 of Art of Turing is brought to you this week by John Cena's Invisibility School. Do you want to learn the five knuckle shuffle? How about the attitude adjustment? Ever wanted to become invisible during a wrestling match, but didn't know such a thing was even possible? Well, enroll now in John Cena's Invisibility School, where Big Match John will personally guide you through each step of becoming completely invisible to your opponent, so you can turn that tired old gimmick into an evergreen series of moves that will make even the most skeptical of wrestling fan become enthralled in your ability to seemingly turn invisible effortlessly. John Cena's Invisibility School, the only place where Cena will show up without Vincent Griller calling every spot. All right, Sizzlers, I've decided to do something very special for the one-year anniversary of The Art of Touring. To celebrate, I'll be doing the very first giveaway. On the podcast, the item I'll be giving away will be a John Cena figure in honor of this week's sponsor, uh, John Cena's Invisibility School. Get it right with the, you know, the shaking his hand in front of his face, and apparently you can't see him. So, if you'd like to win. Uh, the giveaway this week, the John Cena figure, and have it sent to your house, all you need to do is be the first to comment on this week's podcast promo photo on Instagram. I'll be uploading two photos this week, one to promote the show with Julian and one other photo of me with the John Cena figure. So be the first to comment on that photo and Cena is all yours. Just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on your desktop, you can just Google Art of Turing and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Now, before I get into my conversation with Julian, I'd like to share with you some of his music from uh, one of his previous bands called Thunderstag. This is a track called Come On and Lick It. Check it out. <laughs> There you go, Sizzlers. There's uh, just a taste of uh, Come On and Lick It by Thunderstag, one of Julian's previous bands. Now let's check out my conversation with Julian, and I'll see you at the end. Welcome, okay, everyone. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. We're sitting here in the Siriani Studios, Sizz Dog Studios, here in Glorious Epping. It's quite a pleasant night tonight, and sitting across from me is Mr. Julian James. How are
1: you, Julian? Thank you for having me, Big Sizzler, <laughs> as uh, Nick Ivka called you. I liked that yeah, one. Did, we're we're on the same wavelength. I'm like, oh, of course, it's Big Sizzler. Yeah, the Sizz. And sitting here with the Andre the Giant, LJN. So I'm going to get very sidetracked, as I was saying during this interview here. Yeah. As i keep looking around at all this stuff i'm very at home here in the uh in the sis studios in the studios yeah mm.
0: I've, as we were saying earlier we i am kind of slowly building my wrestling figure collection but i go in like um i go in like moods like so last year i was just you know really into the ghostbusters and and, uh-huh. and rebuying well, not rebuying like trying to complete my set that I had as a kid because like I only had two of the original Ghostbusters as a kid, yeah. never had the other two. Right, and then you know the magic of eBay. Now yeah. I have the other two. Yeah, and but all their prototypes made packs.
1: the world a smaller place. I'm like that with bands too. Like at the moment of uh, the last two weeks, I've been on a huge Van Halen kick. Yeah, and I've always been a Van Halen fan, but the last two weeks I've just gotten back going back to everything yeah. reading about them uh, checking out there's a really good Van Halen podcast I've been getting into oh. and just had cuz they've got like 30 or 40 episodes so yeah. now I'm like, oh beautiful I'm just going <laughs> to chew through these or until you're hearing those guys who host the po- podcast they're like your internal monologue now cuz you've listened to so many episodes yeah, isn't that <laughs> yeah. Weird? Yeah, that happens. and they do they do those whopping 3 hour episodes where it's like okay <laughs> this is this is today this is a big one yeah it's a big one yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So Julian, mate, tell me a story. Where are you from? Where did you grow up?
1: Uh, born in Melbourne yeah. and then grew up on the Gold Coast. Oh, really? You can't tell from my tan. and uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I moved there when I was about six and then moved back when I was pretty much like a month or so after I turned 18. Got a one-way bus on the Greyhound bus and came right. straight back. Yeah. Yeah, so right. Nice place to visit, but to grow up there in the eighties and early nineties, yeah. there wasn't a lot to do unless you're, you know, surfing and going into hospitality. Yes. There wasn't a lot of culture there. There were right. there wasn't a lot of pale guys with dark hair and you know, it was surfing, <laughs> you stood blonde out a hair. Bit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. At, not much as far as just culture with music and stuff. You yeah. had the playroom there as a venue. Oh. And I couldn't wait to turn 18 and go there. And I think the night I turned 18, I went to the playroom to see the Screaming Jets. Right. Then got kicked out three three separate times for st- crowd surfing. Oh. And here's a... I've, I only saw it recently. That night, the Screaming Jets filmed their film clip for a song called Tunnel. Right. And that... Did you see the moment I get kicked out of there? I get passed up the front of the crowd and shake hands with Dave Gleeson. And so you see me from behind, but you can tell it's me because I'm a big fat head. And then security (laughs) grabbed me because I had a big no stage diving sign. I got thrown out. Took my leather jacket off, put it in my friend's car, tied my hair back, and got back in again. And right. then they, someone recognized me. You're meant to be out of here. And then I think took my flanny off, took the hair back out, and got in again. Then got <laughs> sprung again. So I was trying to work. Const- I was like Madonna. I was constantly reinventing, <laughs> reinventing myself yeah.
0: just to get back in to see yeah. the jets.
1: But the but that venue now the playroom. Uh, that's gone. You wouldn't even know it was there. That got because uh, it was next to a caravan park, and people right. were complaining about the noise, so they got shut down. It got bulldozed, and it's like a nature strip now. And That's damn, wild. but you, you've your homes are literally on wheels. You can move away. Yeah, but. You know, it was an iconic venue. Johnny O'Keefe had played there. That had been there since the 50s or 60s. Yeah, right. And now you wouldn't even know where it was. I'm like, it didn't fit there. It was, you, you'll see it on the way from the airport, from Coolangatta Airport. Mm. But um, So, it's, wow, I got there quick to the playroom. From yeah. but where did you grow up to go <laughs> to, to the playroom? That's all right. The That's right. Coast. We can go back. But uh, yeah, so grew up on the Gold Coast, then came back here and yeah. to, to to rock and roll, as they say. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: And so was there any musicians in your family growing up as a kid in Queensland?
1: Uh, yeah, well, my father, uh, he was a operatic tenor. So he was right. a singer. That's why he came here from Italy as a young boy. They ah. toured him out here. So he left the family, his family, and came over here and was basically touring around singing as like a child singer wow. and slowly brought his family over here. And then, uh, so yeah, we, we had that. So he what probably, uh, and he could appreciate the rock and roll that we listened to, but mm. like I remember him once when he, cause I'd play tapes in the car and he'd put up with it. And, uh, I, I remember once he was, you know, I'd had some kiss on and he was, uh, which one's this about the vocal? I said, right. Paul Stanley goes, Oh, he, he can sing. He goes, the other guy can't, but this, meaning this guy's been, he's singing properly, talking right. about Paul, just that, I guess, the diction and stuff like that. Sure. Where he said, the other guy talking about Jenny goes, he can't, but, <laughs> but just coming from a technical aspect where I could never, I'm like, oh, they both sound pretty good to me. But as I got older, then, you know, Paul Stanley ends up doing Phantom of the Opera and stuff like that. Right. I'm like, oh, now I'm starting to get it. what he meant. Yeah, but he could just hear it wow. from that. And then, um, but, Yeah, my brother, he was uh he was big on the Beatles when we were kids, obsessed right. with the Beatles. So that yeah. was just the constant s- soundtrack in the house. Yes. And then he got started on piano lessons. Uh must have been 5 or 6. Yeah. And uh, I think I sat in for one lesson cuz I was painfully shy as right. a child, I wouldn't right. talk to it. but people would come over and I'd face the wall. <gasps> wouldn't talk. So I got t- 10 minutes into a piano lesson and was like, i, I c- you know, no, i know got to get out of here. So mm. that was the end of that, just because I couldn't be with someone. Yeah. Like, just that shyness and awkwardness as a kid. Yeah, right. And um, so that was the uh, you know, typical thing of, oh, I wish I stuck with the piano lessons. Mm. But um, so no, I didn't Then didn't end up taking up guitar. I probably was like 15 or something. You know, that time in high school, yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. starts playing guitar. Right. And could, yeah, that was when I started my musical sort of uh, I want to play now. In a pen, Rather than just that, being a yeah. uh, but always growing up having music in the house and um yeah. having older sisters so there was always records around that you'd play and yeah. um even things like the monkeys. I was obsessed with that T V show as a kid. Yeah. So I think that's why I've always gone back to that thing like bands like Kiss and, you know, the music's great, but I think I need more if that makes sense like if i if i'm into the band i've got to find out about the guys in it the personalities oh, yeah, yeah. i want to know everything yeah. yeah like who's making this mm-hmm. i've got to know the artist as well as the art yes you know so and i think um Yeah, just always being like that with anything I was into. Got to find out everything about it. But even as a kid with the monkeys, it's like, oh, watch a show, see how they live. All bands must live together in little (laughs) bunk beds and drive around in a car with the logo. That looks like fun. I want to be in a band Band, one day. And and then you're seeing Hard Day's Night. Yeah. And it's the same thing. And then as I got a bit older, saw Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. And it's like, oh, this is unbelievable. So it's always those bands that were doing more. You know, it wasn't just the record. It's, oh, I can get watch them in a movie and yeah. playing characters, and they've got stories with them, and it's so much more. Yeah, right.
0: Mm. That's what initially attracted you to music was not just the music itself, but the pageantry
1: surrounding. Yeah, the music. totally. It yeah. wasn't just the music; it was the whole thing. And yeah. I guess that's why I gravitated towards a band like Kiss, which you know is a gateway <laughs> band for a lot of musicians. Yeah. Oh yeah, the first band was Kiss because how could you not? Pay attention to that. Right. And see that and go, what's this about? And be drawn into it. And especially if you're into, you know, superheroes, and it's always seems to be that same thing as, uh, the old bass player in The Shine, Brad Frost, used to say, "What is it with Wogs and their love of kiss and wrestling?" And it, it was very <laughs> common that kiss, wrestling, and superheroes yeah. seems to be that trifecta right. with a lot of people. I think, and yes, particularly uh, people of European in descent. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for some reason,
0: yeah, yeah, we just gravitate towards those three things mm. naturally. Yeah, far out. And, and so action you, figures. And action figures, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah, well I can certainly um empathize there. Yeah. My goodness. And so um so you said at fifteen you um you picked up the guitar? Yep. Um and did you get lessons or Yeah,
1: I went and saw a guy in on the Gold Coast, Gordon Matheson was his name, and he was like one of those guys who seemed like he'd done a lot of acid back in the day. <laughs> but I didn't really enjoy like he was great he was a yeah. nice guy but i didn't feel like i was learning the guitar i'd just turn up and he'd show me a riff mm-hmm. and okay go home and learn that next week all right here's another riff like riffs from songs oh here's day tripper right and then i'd just go home and learn that come back the next week i wasn't learning about scales and ah. i started palling around with some guys they were uh, were a bit older than me uh worked at a music store mm. and they had a band And i was like you guys are in a band and sort of start hanging out at their rehearsals and learnt more from that when he said, oh, here's a bar chord and you can move this anywhere along the guitar and here's a blues scale and if you do this in conjunction with that chord, it'll all fit. And as soon as he did that, I was like, oh, okay, I learnt more in that (laughs) than the six months or maybe a year it was of going to Uh, Gordon Matheson, bless him, but um, I just got bored with it and one of the, my friends who was down here mm. who took up guitar at the same time and they were guys I knew that ended up being in the shine that right. I went to school with as a kid and kept in touch with them when I went to the Gold Coast ah. and we'd send each other tapes like here's Motley Crew," you know wow. and this all right I'll send you this Skid Row and we'd trade tapes in the and one day we're going to make a band and that's when I moved back down and uh, Peter Gauchy was the guitarist in that, who's in yeah. the Fireballs now. Mm. I came down for holidays once, probably around 15 or 16, yeah. and stayed with them. And he was just really good. He was amazing. And I'm like, he's... And I think, I sort of thought, all right, well, I've got enough on the guitar now. I know my bar chords. Yeah. He can. He's going to be the guitarist in the band. I don't have to get any better. He's going to take that. He's already good. <laughs> yeah. He's. Enough, he's, man. Uh, you know, he's. I'm lost in his smoke. I'm not going to get that good. So I'll just stay where I am, and he could be the guitar yeah. guy. <laughs> he's got this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very early on, which was probably not the uh, the winning attitude, but uh,
0: no, look, dude. You know, if you can look at someone and see that they've got something covered, and mm-hmm. and and you know in yourself that you can bring something else to the party instead.
1: Yeah. And I think I got a bit of osmosis from playing with him because I remember once someone saying to me, oh, you're actually like a really good guitar player. And I thought, I'm not really. I think you're mistaking probably some of what he's playing because we did the two (laughs) guitars. I played rhythm. So I just feel like I seemed like a good guitarist because I was playing with him, but... You know, he was really good, one of those guys, as soon as they start playing, go, okay, yeah, this yeah, guy, this guy knows, knows what they're doing. Oh, dude. Yeah. And I'd be, you know, with the songs, okay, so you go from the third one to this one up here, yeah. not even knowing what key it was in. Right. Yeah. No, nah, dude, I I know what that's like. I mean, when I
0: went and studied music after school mm. and... Um, was exposed to a lot of different musicians and some older than me, some the same age. I remember going into one of the rehearsal rooms one day, and we were all put in different bands like within the first couple of weeks. Mm. And um, and one of the other bands I wasn't in, um, I walked into their studio space after we'd finished rehearsing, and they were still going. And mm. I saw this bloke just just destroying it on yeah. the guitar. It's like man I mean, I'm a singer, so I was I always looked up to guitar players. Right. You know, um, because it's something that was is still a big mystery to me. Mm. You know, I, I love playing guitar. I've got way too many guitars. Mm. You own way too many oh, guitars fair. to be you I'll know. I'll have say, to get into
1: those next after looking at your figures. I yeah, can see yeah, the guitar, we'll cases guitar cases here. Next, I'm like, ooh, yeah. what's in there?
0: You know, but um as a vocalist uh, I've all, I always just looked up to guitarists because yeah they do have that extra fairy dust that I just mm. have never been able to attain yeah. and this this dude was just destroying it and he ended up becoming a really you know my best mate all, all through my 20s um, Brett Wood who's just a ridiculous guitar player mm. and um, yeah we played in bands and stuff we were younger and stuff but yeah it's I know what you mean when you see a musician and just go, yeah, I'm not going to be able to be as good as that, man. You do your thing and I just want to be around you. Yeah, and
1: something makes me think with those brilliant guitar types is uh, it's some sort of scientific mathematical thinking and I'm terrible at maths. I I don't know why. I don't know why I think that, but it's that same part of the brain that these guys are probably good at maths as well, like like Rain Man where you just throw out some figure, divide that by 17.2 and they'll give you the exact thing. And and then here's the pentatonic scale or whatever it is. But um, that's interesting what you say with the um, guitarist that you were sort of always into what they were doing. I was similar with drummers for some reason. Like I can, if I'd go with um, the drummer from The Shine, Benny Mino, we'd go to those drum clinics and I'd go along with him because yeah. I love them but yeah. if I had to go and watch some guy alright now here's the Mixolydian blah, 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 and we're going to do I'd be like oh, somebody shoot me but if it's <laughs> like oh someone's like, we went to like Greg Bissonette from the David Lee Ross band he's doing mm. a drum clinic I'm like yeah I'll come to that and yeah. like, so I've always had that thing of I'd rather watch a drummer than go and watch some guitar player shred because I can't even get my head around it. Ah, oh, right. You know? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's wild. Or someone singing And going back to my father being a classical tenor, he was always, mm. like, you've got to learn theory, you've got to do that. If you get older, it's going to be harder to learn when you get older and, of course, I didn't. Right. But, again, oh, I wish I did. You know, it's probably like talking another language. Where How, mm. how old were you when you learnt theory? It's, or have you always just had it or... Um, like as a child, you learnt and you've always just been able to read it? Or? Oh,
0: look, no. Nah, I mean, my my musical um, theory skills aren't anywhere near what they would be for someone like like I learn songs by ear. Okay. Always have.
1: But can you sit down and read something and play along with it on site?
0: Oh, uh, chord chart, I could. Yeah. Okay. Like for guitar. Yeah. But as far as manuscripts, hmm. I mean,. If I was given like a vocal score, yep. I could see the notes and then if someone sang it to me, I could see how the notes are bouncing along the the right. you know the manuscript I'd be like, okay, cool. And, but I would instantly just be able to sing it easier just by hearing yeah. someone else and then just copying them straight yeah. away. It's, that would be so much easier to me than seeing the notes on the page and mm. being able to like that. Yeah, nah.
1: Being on my uh, Van Halen kick the last week, uh, you just reminded me, I saw an interview with Eddie where he was saying the same thing, he didn't learn the theory. Right. But he was watching the piano player's hands and listening to it and then yes. he'd have it down. But he wasn't learnt, the uh, teacher assumed he was learning the theory, mm. he goes, but I wasn't. I was watching his hands and listening to it and it made sense to him. was oh, okay, right. I see what you're doing there and yeah. I've got it. Whereas, you know, I'm still trying to nut out chopsticks on the yeah, yeah. on the piano so i think it's like a certain mind geared I towards think so, that i yeah just can, because they not do, do it or they like don't that mm.
0: doesn't mean that you can't you know be a very successful musician or a talented musician or whatever,
1: mm. you know.
0: Um,
1: and uh, often those, like, shred demons on the guitar, they're either great or they're like, me. I've got my bar chords and my blue scale. Yeah. There's not really a lot of in-between, I think, no. with guitarists. They either go there or they're just like, no, I'm just going to stick with the basics. Yeah. That's what I've just thought because I've seen even, like, local guitarists. I was, oh, yeah, he's one of those amazing guitar guys. Yeah. Or, no, he's just a simple... The three chords and the truth, guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great,
0: man. <laughs> oh gosh. And so, yeah, you mentioned how um, you started playing guitar um, at fifteen, and then eventually you did move down back to Melbourne at eighteen.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, caught the the grey line bus down here. Yeah,
1: the Greyhound. The Greyhound. I borrowed. Sorry. Uh, off an ex-girlfriend from high school to get a guitar and a leather jacket that I had on lay-by. So it was a very rock and roll story. Fantastic. Paid her back. But, uh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, just came down. I was like, I'm going to come down and, and form a band. And even just from what I'd seen the drive from the airport and, you know, you'd see the band posters everywhere back yeah. then. Yeah, You know, bands like The Fireballs at the Prince of Wales, Cyclone Tracy, all those bands from that early 90s thing. Right. And just thinking, oh, there's something on every night in Melbourne at so many places. Yeah. I could just couldn't wait to get amongst it. Like, I would have gone and seen that it. That would have been in? 94, end of 94. 94, yeah. right, right. So there was a lot going on and you know the grunge thing had just taken over yes. so that was huge and i was i appreciated that at the yeah. time because as yeah. much as i loved the sort of i guess the cock rock that i was listening to mm. for generalizing i was a bit when grunge came in it was like oh it's like thank god this is something new and different yeah and because the the hair bands the hair was getting higher that you was like is this a guy or is this a girl right and it's, yeah a fan of the genre you were sort of going oh this is enough's enough i can barely <laughs> tell these bands apart yeah, yeah now and then uh pearl jam 10 when that dropped i was like straight away oh this is brilliant this a is a so masterpiece cool. you know it was yeah, straight yeah. away instant and being in before that uh, into mother love bone so knowing the yeah. oh these guys are forming a new band, these are the guys from Mother Love Bone. Wow. So I sort of saw that coming that Yeah. Oh, okay, I wonder what this new band of theirs will do. And it ends up being Pearl Jam and sure, like, yeah. Shirt. The yeah. game changer, you know, and Soundgarden getting into like uh, what was the album? Bad Motor Finger. Mm-hmm. That was unbelievable mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, like, man. You know, I knew how good it was yeah. straight away. And yeah. um but, yeah, it felt a bit bad for all those other bands that dumped overnight. Who well, it was, was it? It was literally I
0: think, the changing of the guard, like, Yeah, overnight. Janie Lane you know, saying... 1991, it was
1: over. Yeah, Janie Lane saying, you know, he'd go to the record label and then have the cherry pie thing up there uh, behind the desk. He said, one day I went to the office and instead it had the Alice in Chains Dirt album. And he goes, and that was it. He goes, it was over like yeah, that. like that. Mm. And everyone was wild. disowning those bands. Like, oh, Motley Crue, oh, you don't listen to that crap. Like, it was... People yeah. weren't listening. It was just... It was the
0: biggest band in the world only two years ago. Yeah. And now, oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, all those bands were just, you know, they were all... And they were cutting their hair and doing, you know, I think that was around <laughs> the time they did the Karabi album. Right. which great album, but it wasn't a Motley Crue album. No, yeah. All the bands at that time were sort of trying to follow suit and it was a really interesting time, I yeah. thought. But, you know, and then all of a sudden those other bands who, oh, you don't, the Motley Crue, then they came back to being appreciated again. Mm. I think a lot of those bands go through that, or any artist comes out and and then they go through that tunnel of not being cool for yeah. 10 or so years and then they're appreciated again. Yeah. So I think that's, um, you know, if you sit it out and wait it, you know, yeah. it'll, it'll come back around. It'll come back around,
0: yeah. yeah. Especially if you're in a successful band, there's mm-hmm. no reason why you... You know, not, if it was popular once, you know. Yeah,
1: good. and good music's good music. And That's I'm, right. I'm going to be showing my age here with the kids of today, you know, <laughs> and they're listening to this, some of this crap, you know, this Cardi B or, mm. oh, I love this song. Are you going to love it in 20 or 30 years? Yeah. Like, are going to drop the needle on that and go, oh, man, this brings back memories of <laughs> two- 2019. I love this. You know, I'm still listening to the same music I yeah. was listening to at 13 when I started yeah. listening to bands. Some of my friends are, what new bands are you listening to? And I'm like, not, I'm just still listening to like Slade. I'm into Van Halen again this week. I just keep that. No, these are the bands I like. Like, I'll listen to new stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the bands that I loved when I was a kid, I still love them and still listen to them. Sure. So I'd rather listen to that than new stuff. Same as like my Netflix selection. If you go to my movies you watched recently, it's Mm. all the movies I've got on DVD and Blu ray and VHS. (laughs) It's. Uh, When you're on a winner, I'm one of those guys. No, I like this.
0: I actually did that the other night because I usually try... I try. Mm. You get down that Netflix yeah. hole where you're like just skipping through. Yeah. I want to try and find something I haven't seen. Yeah,
1: and that two hours later, you go, well, there goes the time, time. I could have spent could have watching just, a movie, yeah. but instead I've gone to uh, uh, compile a playlist.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I think I watched The Other Guys, which is a comedy with Will, Will oh, yeah, yeah. Ferrell and, and um, Mark Wahlberg.
1: Gator. And I have it on DVD. Right. Yeah. It's on one of my same. favorite
0: flicks, but I was just like, oh, whatever. I just want mm. to watch something that's familiar, bang, yeah. and I just ended up watching it.
1: I'd have the uh, Foxtel IQ and it was like full of movies that I'd kept on there that I've got a metre over on VHS, on DVD, on Blu-ray, But no, I need it on the Foxtel IQ too, so I don't have to go over there to open the case. It's wild. Yeah, Yeah. and I'd rather watch that. You know, Superman, the 78 one with Christopher Reeve, was my favourite movie when I first saw it as a child and still my favourite movie. And I can put that on and watch it still today from beginning to end. So some cool. of it's a bit of a tough watch because I don't think they really edited. I don't think they did uh, what's it called test screenings, right? Back then, because no. some of it, it's like, all right, we don't need you know fifteen minutes of him walking through the snow, no. To throw the crystal, like some of that could have been condensed, but yeah. I still, watched that as a kid, that made it feel more epic. Yeah. But this movie's freaking long, man, <laughs> and you don't even he doesn't become Superman till the first out. Well, the first time they showed it in Australia, it was over two nights. Really, it was one of those movie event. Yeah, so he became finally becomes Superman. That scene, uh, that was the end of part one of the first night, and then it was like to be continued tomorrow night. So, oh, we've just gotten him in the suit, and now you're telling us you got to wait. I remember that they Mm. did that,
0: didn't they? And that's
1: the longest version of it because they were at the time they, you know, was to do with the advertising on TV. So they padded it out to say, "All right, well, if the networks are going to pay for it." And like, let's stretch it out so it takes up two nights and they'll have yeah. to pay more like it's so the, the history behind that like I, what I was saying about if I into something I've got to find out everything about it yeah. that Superman movie once you start going down the rabbit hole of that learning about the production how it came together really? it's just a fascinating yeah. story and you know the director getting fired halfway through completing the second one because <laughs> really? originally that was going to he was going to film one and two at the same time right. richard Donner, but he was being so well probably not difficult but he wanted to get it the movie how he wanted to yeah but the producers were saying oh you're over budget you're this and that and he's mm. like yeah but i'm making this i'm making a masterpiece he went a bit chinese democracy i think <laughs> so they had a first. so anyway once again i've got you're gonna to have to keep reeling me back in i'm running off on tangents no so. that's all right
0: man it's the great I'm, I'm a massive nerd so i love all this yeah stuff. that's what i feel
1: as soon as we've got in here i felt we've got a lot of ground to cover <laughs> yeah, you and man, i man. where do we start
0: I, I think the longest um podcast that i've done mm. it was about um about an hour and forty minutes. Okay. I think the one I did with Brett, I did sm- split it up um, into two parts because we spoke for two hours. So I was right. like, okay, we'll do, do your part one, part two. Um, but um, no, all this stuff is is great because it certainly paints a picture of who you are mm. and and how you know you see the world, and that's exactly what we're trying to you know um, accomplish um, uh, by this uh, in this podcast. So you've gone, um, you've come home. To Melbourne, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like 1994. You're 18. All yeah. these bands are on the radio, and you form a band with kids that you knew when you were six. Yeah,
1: that yeah. is so cool. Yeah. Tell me about. And that. And they are, now they're amazing musicians. So it was yeah. the brothers, uh, Pete and Jeff. Yeah, and Jeff was the bass player, and same thing as Pete. I'm just blown away that how good he is on the bass. Yes. So we start playing, and it was of the time, like very grungy sounding. Thing, but we had those influences that you couldn't shake because we all grew up on Kiss and Motley and Van Halen. That would be seeping through. Yeah. Then we started playing, and people were like, oh, you got this sort of cock rock vibe about you that we mm. sort of at the time were like, oh, we don't want to be that. We're like grunge, and yeah, everyone's doing yeah. the yardling, the singing, and wearing your flannel and singing with the arms crossed, you know, because we thought that all that music was good, but these influence kept creeping through. Ah. And then we just, after, you know, a couple of years or however long soon into it, just, oh, let's just go with it. Let's just, yeah. because they, as I said to you earlier, the, all those bands that you would remember, like Motley and all that were persona non grata. Like, oh, you know, everyone's throwing away their Motley records or sure. that. Um So then we just sort of went, oh, well, maybe we'll embrace that a bit.
0: Yeah. Because I remember the Shine logo Mm. was very kind of like goth,
1: Mm. you know, looking as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then seeing it in beat. Right. Okay. Yeah. We were big beat. I don't think, I can't remember the last time I've picked up a... Beat magazine oh, but Back then it was just Yeah, it was the Bible My yeah. Wednesday morning I would start Go get beat And impress And see what's on Yeah, yeah, same and Yeah, was now I don't even I can't remember the last time. I think no. they're still out I, But, you know It's gone from being A stack of like 500 to probably like 10 yeah. And they're really they thin off. now too Yeah, oh Yeah, there's hardly Anything in there Yeah yeah. But, uh, so we did that And then a few years Of doing And you were vocals, shine. yeah Yeah, vocals And playing yeah. uh, rhythm guitar Rhythm guitar, yep And um,
0: did you put a record out?
1: We did like this is back in the day of demo tapes. So we added, we did a few tapes, a few cassettes. One, uh, there was one we did just i think three or four tracks and then like a year later and this is back when we got to play for like a year to save up to go into the studio for one day to
0: what's changed yeah but well, <laughs> well you
1: know, now everyone's like oh fundraising oh thanks everyone we made 20 grand overnight now we can go and record a record was back then it was what
0: you know... band can do that
1: well i've just seen these bands who just do these go fund me things and yeah, but
0: they have to have a pretty big you know um have To have a pretty big uh, audience to be able to do that, if you're well, you know yeah. an up and comer, you're not gonna be able to raise anything,
1: yeah. But that whole thing of just even having the nerve of just saying, All right, asking just, fans yeah, for coin, I'm yeah,
0: it's very shocked. strange, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, we did the uh, a few tapes and I had a tape called uh, short and curly, yeah. That we thought oh. I would do like a three song tape, and the idea came up of the front cover is going to be a pubic hair. <gasps> And so a friend who'd come to the gigs heard about this. And he said, I heard you're gonna your next tape's going to be called Short and Curly and you want a pube on the front cover. And he said, can I, can it be one of my pubes, <laughs> basically? So I said, yeah, sure. He goes, I'll whack something in the mail to you in a couple of weeks. And he sends this thing. It was like an A4 piece of paper with three, like, you know, those little like deal bags, I guess. Uh, so, from what an older boy told me they were called, yes. those little plastic bags, and each one had a separate pube in it. And he's like, I've chosen three here. <laughs> so, we took that down to, I guess it was Officeworks at the time, put it on the phone. I'm looking around. Is anyone to Quick, get the pube out. Put it on the photocopier. Oh, my God. Photocopied it. That's like, all right, cool. Now we've got to take it to the graphic artist and get the logo, put it, and use this guy's pube as the front cover. And that's all it was.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah,
1: which came from, we did a gig down in. Uh, uh, Port Ferry or warnable down that end and the guy running running the pub said order whatever you want and we one of the guys in the band ordered the fisherman's basket and he's like there's a freaking pube on my prawn and so that's then that's where short and curly came from
0: right
1: so yeah that's our uh, <laughs> that's, <brilliant. laughs> that's how classy we were <laughs> tape with a pube on the front oh my so that God. set the tone of it and then I think within the next few years then it was oh we're gonna do a CD yeah yeah, everyone had slowly started moving to that, and I think we did a five-truck CD. Yeah. But all very basic, you know. You don't know what you're doing. You go in sure. there, you listen to them now, you're like, ugh. Yeah, right. You don't know about oh well maybe if you double chuck the vocals, oh hang on, now this sounds like a proper record. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You know, just those little things you didn't know and we're all standing in there trying to play perfect and it's no just you learn later that no, maybe get in there and it's good if it's a little rough around the edges Edges, and got a bit of character to it. Playing it perfect, you know, it's you don't want it sounding like it was recorded in a hospital, as we'd say. It's so sterile. No, exactly. You You go, All right, cool, but there's no the playing's fine but there's just no vibe there because we're playing you know, stand up straight and yeah. You, the things you learn later on but mm. we didn't have anyone sort of producing saying anything it. yeah no one was producing it we're yeah. just going in and saying to some guy oh here's our money can we record some songs and
0: they just press record and go yeah, yeah. Go, boys yeah, there you go. They, go. take it so, yeah,
1: yeah. Mm.
0: it's a very different thing isn't it I don't think I've ever really I've worked with a couple of producers but mm. Um, mm. it's if it's an engineer slash producer, mm. then it's it's not really a yeah. producer. They have to do two hats. They're wearing two hats.
1: Mm. Well, we know. sort of had a, uh, the, the person who changed that for us, a guy named, uh, I don't know if you would have known him, Stratos was his name. He used to DJ at Hard and Fast. Okay, DJ no. Stratos. Yeah, right. And I think he'd come to some gigs and we'd given uh, him our cassettes and the first CD or two we'd done. And he called us up and said, I want to meet with you guys. And he was the one that said, I want to take you to this studio. Listen, it's going to cost a bit more. Yes. And he sort of gave us that thing of here's some little things you can do that's going to make it sound better. And then we did the CD, Pure Dynamite, that that was a huge... Leap up where it's like, oh, now this sounds good. We did a hot house with Craig Harneth. Yeah, like cost a bomb, but you could hear the results. The difference, yeah. And then by the time we went back there again, and I'm double tracking vocals and doing big dumps of vocals, yeah, where you know he had to say to me at one point, You're not making hysteria. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get more vocals, more dumps, more. uh, We'll have the high harmony, I want the lower one, and then gang vocals in the middle. That was my big thing a high (laughs) harmony, a low, lower harmony, and then gang vocals and just make this and i was like oh no we're turning into queen <laughs> He's like, i wish you know but right right yeah that's how we were heading there and so those yeah. little things oh, i wish we knew that the first time, time around but yeah, you but only learn from doing it
0: exactly yeah mm-hmm. i mean you don't know what you don't know
1: exactly yeah. You know?
0: yeah um i mean gosh the the bands that i came up in the first time we recorded the second time yeah you just you get better and better yeah. at it you know and and it's not something you really. It, you get to, you get to uh, jam a lot in the in the rehearsal space. Mm. You get to you know play live a lot as yeah. a musician. But unless you've got a lot of money, mm. you don't really get to record that often. Yep. you know, and that's really a big part of being mm. a muso mm. is if you're not in that space doing that all the time and not be- getting better at that part of the art form. There's no way you're going to know what to do. And I've always thought it
1: helps if someone, you know, had like, oh, Mick's got an older brother who played in bands and he'd come down, you know, one of those guys would always, that I sometimes, like I've had a few bands in the last few years Asked if I'd manage them and I'm like, what do you mean, unless you're getting a record deal and no one's getting record deals, you don't need a manager. No. I don't want to be, if you're looking for someone to book your gigs, I don't want to be a booking agent. I'm not going to do that. So I don't know what you mean by manager and I don't know what I could offer you. I could probably tell you what not to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know, especially today, like aside from my thing, has been with the younger bands. All right, go away until you're as good as Airborne. Like to mm. come out, bands we'd played with, like with Jet and Airborne, I'd mm. always say it was in the first 30 seconds they played, we went, oh, okay, yep, these guys are off to the races. So you was you that.
0: played with both those
1: bands. Yeah, and when they were. Uh, Mino, the drummer, I remember him calling me because we were booking band nights at the Green Room that used to be on oh, Elizabeth the green Street. Room. Yeah. I played there, man. We probably booked you on the <laughs> you Thursday probably, night. Yeah, yeah. The Thursday. Yeah, we yeah. did the new bands on the Thursday. They gave us the night there because we were doing, once we started getting a bit of a following locally, we'd yes. have other bands. We'd put these bills together. We'd yeah. sort of be like, let's you know make the night not just we're playing. Let's try and get some bands that, you know, not, it's going to complement each other. Sure. And as that started happening, we'd get more and more bands contacting us and gigs, and then venues, because we were doing all right with crowd numbers, venues right. offering us more and more gigs. Well, oh, we can't do that. well, hang on, this band's wanting a night. This venue's wanting a band. Why don't we start? So that's how we got into a bit of the booking stuff and right. started doing the uh, Thursday nights at the Green Room. The guy there was like, well, if you want to book the night, cool. Yeah. One less night I've got to worry about. Right. And I remember being on the door there one night. I was the door bitch and <laughs> Mino calling me and he was at the Terminus Hotel and in Clifton Hill he said this band's on now they're called Airborne he goes there's no one here he goes but in six months this is going to be the band everyone's going to see and I can remember that because the way he used it the way that he said that this is going to be the band everyone's going to see like little would he know that oh they're going to be playing to festivals in europe in front of a hundred thousand people it was that thing of when they'd go on stage and bands like jet straight away i was like wasn't my sort of cup of tea but i was like man there's something here with these guys and even bands like the casanovas and the datsuns it was like straight away you sort of knew oh these guys are going to be going places real quick and it all happened for them really quick
0: wow and
1: that's what i've always said to bands if you know Get good because you've only got one chance to make the first impression. impression yeah. So okay, stay in the rehearsal studio for 18 months and just keep playing, keep playing, keep playing until right. you can come out and knock people out the first time. time uh, yeah. If you come out of nowhere with a bang, yeah, you know a yeah. bit. Grow up on that thing of, oh, you're going to build a following. And it's like, no, I think you can come out and go, here we are, we're a monster, we're ready to destroy. That's really good advice, man. Yeah, I thought, and the other piece of advice I would give the the younger bands of today is have a good think about your stage name. (laughs) Because some of you guys who are 16 or 17 and giving yourselves names, might not realize you might have that name for the next 30 years
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's important
1: oh yeah some of these old you know older guys in the punk bands that are still playing around melbourne and they've got these i know i love them but it's yeah. like, oh, even myself using julian james as a my uh what do they call it you're uh like you're not like your pseudonym um the, the word escapes me, but even think of that as a stage name. Yeah. It's so like, I wish I'd put more thought into that. That's so that's not pretty, your real name? No, Julian Argenti is my real name. My middle names is Giacomo, ah. which is James. So it was just like, oh, you know, back then people, Argenti would somehow be too much of a mouthful for people to say. because yeah, you... know, people, oh, Argentina, they put extra letters on the end. And I was why? like, oh God, I thought oh, just Julian James, you know, and it was that... Thing back then when you would just, if you had a name that end in a vowel, you've got to b- make it a bit it more. A bit. Yeah, which no one would do now. What's that? Oh, I always see that girl from, uh, what's her name? Nicole Slursinger. I don't even know how you pronounce it, but Dude. every time I see her name, it's like got the entire yeah. alphabet. Because well, back then they would have yeah. said, no, there's no way you're using that name. Right. So, um,
0: I never changed mine, man. And Maybe mm. I would have been more successful if I did. Uh, Sirianni, it's a fucking mouthful. Well, yeah, and you'd be
1: surprised at how I think, uh, maybe it's a cultural thing, but people see something that, oh, it's not Smith or Jones, and they dude, freak out. And, dude, I 100% agree, man. And they're not agree, that man. hard. Like, no. Sirianni, Argenti, they're not that hard no. names, but people have a lot of trouble yeah. with
0: them. Well, I mean, n- name one, like, band with, like, a wog mm. of the last... 20 years in Australia that's yeah. actually gotten success yeah. they're all like full like Aussie yep. bands totally. even though we make up a big portion of the population mm. and a lot of us are those. Mm. it's just like that real like I don't know man I don't know. I agree with you, I've, and I've, it's I've weird. thought of that
1: too. That uh, you know, that, that that pub rock thing they want yeah. Ocker, they this want the guy in ochre. the thing, Shannon Nally going. Whereas I can't get up there and pull that off because people are like, oh, you're not, you don't come from Air no, your surname ends in a vowel. I could yeah. tell. we well, might
0: say we might sound like his, but we don't look like us. Yeah. You know, and, even I'll say g'day, It doesn't mean like. And I the same uh, way. What
1: was his name? That did the movie The Wog Boy. I went saw him do. Oh,
0: Nick Giannopoulos. Giannopoulos. Yeah. And
1: He always have that thing at school where someone would have a closer look at you and go, "You wog." <laughs> 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 but I've always thought, yeah, it's hard to get up there in the, you know, yeah. airborne. Get up there in the. Uh, the Bond singlets of the fists up. Yeah, we're here to play some Aussie rock, and they can do that because they're Aussie rockers. If That's I right, did man. that, people would be like, mm, "No, you're probably yeah. going home to have a latte and a, a pasta <laughs> bolognese and a <laughs> yeah." <laughs> yeah. So true. yeah, so you can't. You can It's like, well, I can't get. I realise I can't get away with that. That's right. Oh, that, what's that movie where the guy says about Kiss being Jews, and he's telling the little boy about it, and the kid goes. But everyone knows that Jews can't sing. And the guy goes, but that's where they wear the makeup, to hide their Jewishness. And it's funny. But I thought, no, there is a a lot of truth in that because they changed their names. They put on makeup. They didn't. And Gene Simmons said himself it was his thing early on. He knew he had to think Yiddish and dress British. (laughs) (laughs) Because he said that same thing, that people don't. They have that The cultural thing, yeah, 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 there is that stigma. You know, and I wild. can't go out there doing um, Shannon Knoll or I could, can't go out there singing You're the Voice or mm. Daryl Braithwaite
0: well that's it songs. you've got to think of the two things in Australia that's going to hold you back in the mm. entertainment industry mm. one the people that are listening to you mm. and to the people in charge of the purse strings, yeah, very much an Australian mm. like ochre demographic, yeah. You know what I mean. So if you don't fit into that box, mm. you know you've you've got an uphill battle. Yeah, you got to be like extra talented, yeah. Or, you know. Totally.
1: Well, we're going deep with the political, uh... dude.
0: We are, but it's good, man. Mm. It's but good. it was just something
1: I'd feel like I'd noticed, and even to, and you probably get it yourself where you'll be at the pub and someone someone goes, "Where are you from?" And I'll, yeah, I'll man. be like, "I'm from Fairfield." Yeah. No, I mean, like, what? what's your background? You know, it's... Who cares, I oh, yeah, Well, I, say, I don't say to them, what. where are you from? Where yeah. You? But I've noticed that a lot, and everyone I know whose surname ends in a vowel, they're the same thing. Oh, yeah, I get that all the time, and yeah. I've never left the country, or... No, and but that's it's just something an that interesting... they wouldn't
0: even... They would never get, because yeah. they... Yeah, it's, it's weird, man. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's out
1: there. It's something that's, that's true, and I... Mm. Um, Probably noticed it a lot more in the last few years. I don't know. I, was, I, I think as I've gotten older, my ethnicity has come more into prominence because of the beard and stuff <laughs> sure, like that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I didn't have the beard when I was younger. Yeah. yeah and I think my nose is growing too. So yeah. all the lying's <laughs> catching up with me. All the bullshitting.
0: <laughs> We're, uh, yeah, we, we, um, we have the same problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're kindred spirits. That's and uh, it, that,
1: talking about the look of the band, because the guys, the, the brothers in the band and yes. by this point a few years into the shine their younger brother because we couldn't hang on to a drummer right so the the younger brother ends up going oh why don't i just take up drums this <laughs> right. is how out of our minds we were as kids where you're just like let's go for it yeah he goes oh I, what if i take up drums mm. and we sat down and thought you're gonna have to get lessons you're gonna have to and he goes i only work part-time i'll like practice 10 hours a day and in our minds, we're going, oh, yeah, cool. What? And in six yeah. months, we'll be ready to go. Yeah. So the next day, his brother, Pete, the guitar player, went and bought him a drum kit. Oh and God. he was in lessons on the Monday morning. And for the next six months, and within six months, he came out of nowhere. And he was it's still an amazing thing. drummer. And friends of his were going, what the hell? Where did he learn drum? Oh, just So he just crammed it just every wow. day. Because he's one of those guys, if I'm going to do it, and that's what we knew focused. with him. If, if he says he's going to do it, he'll do it. Yeah. And he did, and just, you know, the the for sale signs went up all around his house. Mm. So he did that. So now I'm in the band with the three brothers. So I think, too, get, getting back to that thing with oh, dark eyes, dark hair, we had that look. Yeah. We looked like we should be in a band together yes. by that point. There wasn't some like, all right, there's three guys with dark hair, and then there's a blonde yeah. guy up the back. So I think that... I think that played a bit of a part with the impact just as far as the look and because we were sure. doing something visual. Yeah, And then by this point, we more makeup and glitter and feather boas. Oh, really? Yeah, because the Motley Cruth... Thing I keep going back to that just as a general exa- example. That yeah. was sort of people were, oh, maybe I like the motley crew again. It's was everything was starting to come back, back right. but I was always, and we were getting, oh, they're shine, they're doing the glam rock 80s thing. But in my mind, I saw like, no, we're doing like to me, it's like a T Rex Slade, it's more a 70s rock, it's more Bowie, ah, it's yeah. more with, uh, I guess, a Guns and Roses feel to it. We're not sure. doing poison, we're not no. doing, um, you know, uh who was it uh the twisted guy sister or well i once it, one, again twisted sister they were one of the bands who i thought they had that badass attitude because yeah. a lot of those glam bands are just like poison it's you know nothing against them but it's like oh it's just a bit too and it's the production and all that but it's just a bit too wussy whereas there was a right. bands like twisted sister where it's, i was like no their music kicks ass yeah. and they've got the attitude to it with this glam look on top so that's yeah. what I thought of, to do that with music with a harder edge, oh, edge yeah, yeah. but in my mind I always I pictured it as being more a 70s thing with Slade and the, that era of glam rock rather than what other people associated with glam right, rock. I don't yeah. know if it portrayed itself that way but that's how I always felt that I wasn't as big as into the 80s rockers people right. would assume yeah. That we were, and I was like, "No, I'm more into even as far as that goes. More into Sabbath than than like being into you know Poison or something. Sure, I was yeah. more an Aussie guy than yeah, <laughs> more into Aussie Osborne than you know. It's like a band like Skid Row and Poison. I put Skid Row on a much more because they had the attitude and the toughness, even though they. That when they first came out with the teased hair and that, but I oh, know they got that edge to them, that, right. that Guns and Roses thing. I you know this has got a bit of a badass feel to them with like Twisted Sister, whereas Poison's like, oh no, these are this is girly rock. Right? <laughs> Don't be a girly man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, nice music. Do they make it for men? <laughs> That's <Right. sort> of, <laughs> what, I, what I felt. <laughs> that metal edge. I used to buy a metal edge, and at one point I stopped buying that because remember they'd have all the. They wouldn't just have one band on the front cover. They'd sort of have broken oh, up like yeah. 15 bands. and but all it, little it got, pictures yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, it got yeah. to the point where I was looking at going, I can't tell any of these bands apart. Yeah. It's just all hair and they all Make-up. look like women. Yeah. yeah. That, that's when I was like, oh, enough's enough. Yeah, right. So And
0: so did you guys um, tour around Australia at all? Or you were just kind of like a Melbourne-based band? We did tour as such.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> Melbourne-based. Yeah. Um, but anything we did uh, interstate, and I guess most bands do it. They don't do touring cycles. It's the shots in and out. Even now you see bands. Oh, we're doing an Aussie tour. We're doing Brisbane next week. Then the week after that, we're doing Adelaide. Then the week after that, we're doing Perth. It's in yeah, and out because weekends. you don't have that thing like America where, oh, we'll just get in the van and travel three hours. There's another town. And another three hours. Like No, you go drive 12 hours to Sydney. Yeah. And then you've got to come back because there's nothing in between, or you go 12 hours further up and it's Brisbane, and then you've got to drive 24 hours back to nothing. Yeah. So it's more the in and out. Uh, And the first time we did that, and not saying that we were innovators of, oh, we were the first band to go interstate. But no, none of the uh, local bands we were playing with were playing interstate. And right. this was before the advent of social media. So you didn't have it now of just contacting someone on Facebook and say, hey, can we come play at the venue? Here's our thing. It's before all that. And I'd mm. started getting involved with the local wrestling. And uh, some of the guys I was with and that I managed, Stefan Kuhl, the most beautiful man in the cosmos, <laughs> he said, oh, we've got been offered a gig with a... a uh, mob in Sydney who do the wrestling. They want us to come up, and there I think there was like five or four other guys wrestlers that they wanted from Melbourne. So it was like we're going to jump in the car, yep. drive up, do the show, and then come straight back. And I was right. like, Oof, "I'm all in. That sounds like fun." I was yeah. like, oh, unfortunately, because I was the new guy, I had to sit in the middle in the back seat, being the new. So I didn't even have anything to rest on for that. So we oh, drove up right. to Sydney, twelve hours did the wrestling show and then drove straight back. And so then you I, were a manager I was talent? managing, yeah, one of the wrestlers. And, and going, you were on the mic? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, doing all that for him. And I was sort of playing... Myself as the singer from The Shine, and he's Steph Uncle's wrestling persona was sort of a glam rock thing. Oh, perfect! So it was like, oh, I'll use that. So he'd come out in a Shine t-shirt, and, yeah. and but we were sort of bad guys there because people would chant, you know, it's a different era, you know, homosexual connotation. So yeah. like, we'll go with it. We won't acknowledge it. Well, what are you saying? But I was playing bad guy there, right? But and you know, then doing the the same sort of thing I was doing in The Shine. So after doing that shot up and back, that's yep. when I thought, "Oh, you know, I said to the guys in the band, we just drove up, did the gig and came straight back. I was like, maybe if we booked a gig in Sydney, yeah, we could, uh, we started looking into it, hiring a van, somehow yes. contacted a venue. I think it was Bar Broadway that was one of the more prominent venues, so yep. they gave us a Saturday night. Oh. And we looked at hiring a van. If we hire the van, if we stay in the van, or we did all the maths of it, and and Mino, who was sort of the numbers guy, worked it all out, hired... We got one of those, you know, the... uh, Not like the Tarago, more like the minivan. Yeah. And we took the seats out the back two or three rows of seats because we took the drums we took the quad boxes we took everything because we didn't know anyone in sydney that you could say hey man can we borrow your back line and we'll just fly up like you would now we knew no one in sydney and so we did that took all the gear up uh did that got paid and by the end of it we did the math and it was like we'd come back did we break even we came back one dollar up <laughs> <laughs> literally I mean, because I did the maths from the fuel everything, everything. we came up one dollar up I was like beautiful let's, did, let's book in the next one yeah so then was like then alright now we're going to Adelaide and then got into yeah. the thing of oh maybe if we do two nights And we can get an F, you remember the F1? Yeah, the F1 (laughs) rooms, remember those, the hotel, like, cubicles? (laughs)
0: Just off Sydney Road, man. Yeah,
1: right. And then they had, uh, because you could still smoke back then, so half the band smoked and half didn't. So we'd get a smoking room and a non-smoking room opposite each other in the hallway. And then, uh, oh, yeah, we've got two nights now. So then it started being more, but we didn't tour around as much. We'd do the the shots, as we'd call them, in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot – everyone would come back and be wrecked for a week after. So it's always like, how how would we have survived? Because we go and party. Yeah. How would we have survived on a three-month tour? But then we weren't geared for that. We were like, oh, we're only going away for the weekend, so let's party, sleep it off when you get home. Sure. Had it been, oh, you guys are going to, you know, see these bands now, like go go to Europe and you've got three weeks of gigs and you've got two nights off. That would have been a bit different. We probably wouldn't have been like, oh, let's bust out the Jack Daniels on the first night. No. Because we'd get to even some of the Sydney gigs, getting there. uh, And then once we went up, and as we each trip we were fine-tuning it a bit more, like let's get up the night before because we'd leave at 4 in the morning and drive up, get there, set up, do the gig. Instead of doing that, why don't we get up the night before, Hmm. you know, and we'll be well-rested. But getting up the night before then turns into, hey, why don't we go to King's Cross tonight? <laughs> and getting back to the hotel at 7 in the morning. Yeah. Everyone's plastered. Everyone's up at 10 a.m. the next morning. Oh, I don't feel good. Let's go get breakfast. And we've got to play that. It's like we're in worse shape than what we would have been at leaving at 4 in the morning and driving. But it was all part of the fun of it. So That's the gigs right. probably could have been better. but Yeah, yeah. And that by that point, we're sort of we're getting a name. and I was doing the wrestling uh, more wrestling stuff into state too. So we'd right. sort of piggyback it off that. And a lot of the wrestling people would start coming. Ah. So it was like, oh, we've got something here. And Stefan Kuhl, who I was managing, we'd start bringing him out on stage during the gig and he'd just start taking his shirt off and posing during the. I'm sure people like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Some guy came, like a male stripper came out and just started posing <laughs> during the gig. He
0: had the good physique. But yeah, we
1: just had added to the lunacy. <laughs> and then when we yeah. did the. Uh, so, and then things start getting crazier when we did that CD launch at the Greyhound. And a friend oh, of Greyhound. ours... In the yeah. In the,
0: the back room with the big space. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. We
1: did our first CD launch there and sold it out. Mm, that's and a big fucking room. Yeah. You? And our thing was we're going to get a mate of ours who was real clean cut and he tuxedoed up and was going to do the ring announcer thing on stage for us. Ah. But he was going to be abusive to the crowd. So he'd come up and go, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? And everyone, yeah, because for the first time in your life, something good's about to happen. People would just be like, what, what did he just say? <laughs> so he'd introduce us and we wouldn't walk in from the stage. We walked in from the back of the venue and we got the security who we knew at the Greyhound. There was yeah. like five of them yeah. to... Huddle around us, with and we bought them all torches. And he's going to introduce us, and we're going to come through the. And people oh, would say, "This looked wow. amazing. You're coming." Yeah. So every show started getting more like that, and to the point where I had one guy who would be my bodyguard, air quotes. Yeah, and he would sit on. He would just stand on stage behind the amps with sunnies on and the fingerless glove and a baseball bat, tapping it in his hand like he was ready to belt anyone. <laughs> So uh, they've got a, a ring announcer who's abusive. Yes. He's got a bodyguard on stage. Like, who the hell do these guys think <laughs> they are? And then it's, all right, let's go one more. So I've got the bodyguard and then we've got another friend of ours who was clean cut and he'd yeah. wear a suit and carry a um, briefcase on stage and wear sunglasses and he was my financial advisor <laughs> and he would just sit on stage during the gig. So people would be turning up going, what the hell is, is going on? And we'd do it with a straight face. And I yeah. like, oh, yeah, there's Peter Gauci, the third only guitar. And over." That's my financial advisor. Here's my bodyguard, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and yeah. on the drums. And people just, I'm sure they were, but we thought, you know, going back to the thing originally of the monkeys, oh, it's more than just a band, it's a it's whole, a whole thing, it's a package yes. here. That, and so we started really sinking our teeth into that part of. Wow you know, let's start putting on a bit more than just playing of that, you know, what, yeah. what are these idiots going to do next?
0: Yeah, and I think that's missing a lot in mm. the um, in the industry these days, you know, especially just in the scene where you just go see a band, they play their songs. Oh, yeah. this one's called this. Oh, this yeah. one's about my dog or whatever. Yeah,
1: and you a lot and even from that off. wrestling background of having, you know, working, you know, know how to work a crowd. We yeah. had a gig at, so we started using pyro at the Greyhound. Dude! And, uh which is so dangerous. Like We were wiring it up. The guy would give us the – show us how to do it. And so yeah. we're wiring up explosives in a pub. Sometimes they wouldn't work. Sometimes they would. <laughs> and um, we started to, you know, people, oh, you're going to do pyro tonight? And it became a bit of a thing and we got yeah. some photos and impressed. So it looks amazing, you know, the yeah. pyro's going off. And then uh, we did another – packed gig at the greyhound and before that we sent the guy doing the ring announcing for us i wrote up this document and said go bef- when you intro us go out and read this to the crown it was about how we'd no 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 longer the venue is not permitting us to use pyrotechnics if the shine use pyro tonight they'll be banned the crowd are booing and the guy said so you know anyone who came here for pyro tonight sorry it's not going to happen the venue didn't give a shit yeah. so first song we come out and bang and the pyro goes off and the crowd at us yes <laughs> And, and you were I, working about. Yeah, it was all the work. It yes. was all the work. Yes. So then I did, uh, I at one point shaved my head. So we've all got long hair and I had a moment of lunacy. Oh, my Britney shit. Spears moment where I shaved my head. Really? And Neil Wedd, who was a bit of a uh, Melbourne identity from the 80s, he's managing the shine by this point. Right. And I said I'd shave my head and, oh, I'm trying to market a band with an image and you go and do that. So I'm feeling a bit lousy about it. And so yeah. we put out a press release saying that, that my hair caught on fire due to pyro. Just and we're thinking nothing of it, and uh beat or impress ran a story, run with it, oh. saying you know there was like the Pepsi incident with Michael Jackson that my hair. So I've got people calling me, go man, are you all right? I read about what happened. I'm like, it's, it's, a, it's a work. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I'd get away, and we'd forget that. Oh, hang on, this is not a wrestling audience. These are proper people (laughs) (laughs) these are people who don't well yes they don't realise that oh no this is uh, to use Vince McMahon's great line it's part of the entertainment you know when they asked him about the, I love that line he said when they asked him about Wrestlemania 3 you know 93,000 and people are, oh, it was closer to 70,000. Someone yeah. said to him, Was that figure accurate? And he said, The figure we gave was part of the entertainment. <laughs> I love that. Line. Like, you went to court and did you fudge this on your taxes? Ah, oh, what I put there was that was part of the entertainment, entertainment. Your Honor. <laughs> yeah. What? Wow. Basically, saying I got caught in a light. No, that was part of the entertainment. But that's that how we saw it. The characters per- yeah, that you were presenting. Yeah, so we started having this thing of, Oh, you know, it's a bit of, what's going to happen. Mm. And then there was a gig at Revolver, an infamous gig, and it was a bit of a flat gig. There were people in there. It It was one of those gigs where I always said, I know the gig's not going well when you're aware of time passing you on stage. Uh, the good gigs, you'd go out there and within 30 seconds, you know, oh, we got them, and the the gig would be over like that. Sure. But there'd be gigs where I'd be like, oh, jeez, I can't wait to get home and get some chicken nuggets on the mm-hmm. way. If you were having that thought in your head, the gig's not going well. Well, yeah. And it was one of those, It's like, oh, this is a bit flat, and some guy in the crowd after one song yelled something out. Are you and I was like, right, who said that? Cause I was just looking for anything to... Yeah. And some guy came to the front of the stage and went to get on stage. And I remember saying, if you get on my stage, I'll bite your face off. And I'm saying this on the microphone. Oh. And um, he tried to get up and I just sort of gently pushed him down with my foot. Yeah. And then we went into the next song and the crowd are probably thinking, oh, they're doing their wrestling bullshit again, you know. Sure, yeah. And uh, the song starts, her playing the song, and he goes up another way to get on stage and the bass player saw him and the bass player still playing the song and sort of tried to block his way onto the stage and push the bass player and within one sweep, I picked up the mic stand and just jacked this guy in the face really? and he's gone sailing and I've just had oh. and I always had this thing with the guys in the band no matter what happens keep playing because we'd had stage incidents before. before and so I launched and shit went everywhere and the drummer still playing the yeah. bass player still playing uh, all of a sudden, there's a melee everywhere. Security are in, people are in. I'm thinking, oh god, because I walloped this guy with a yeah. mic stand. Yeah,
0: like was it like the one the of metal base? Uh, yeah,
1: I just like bang out of nowhere oh. without. And I've just seen him go back, and I can't see where he's ended up. He's gone into the crowd. Yeah, I'm thinking, oh god, I'm going to get arrested. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Greg McCainch from Skyhooks is there because he was working with us at the time. So we're like, come down and see the band. Yeah. He's there going, what the fuck's going on? So <laughs> after that, we're halfway too. through the gig. After yeah. that, I was like, fuck this. And I said, thank you, good night, and got off stage. I'm going, oh, what, oh, no, what's happened? Went into the band room, which was tiny, and 20 people are trying to get in there. Poor Greg McCain's is in the Australian music legend. People are like opening the door in his face, trying to get. This is Greg McCain. Don't open the door in his face. Like, what? And he's just standing there, like, because he's seen it all. And Neil Wedd, who managed us, came in. I was like, oh no. He goes, you've got to get out there and do another So I said, no, I can't. He goes, everyone loved it. The crowd's lit. (gasps) All right. Went back on stage and they were just like, yes. And I was like, now we got them. And it was a different gig with, and it was a shame that that had to happen Happen. to do it. But that was one of those things. And then once again, impressive. Picks it up, saying that I knocked this guy out who was being a. a, a but everyone was saying he was being a pain in the arse all night. He'd been rude to girls. He'd been so you were the saviour. Yeah. Man. So and I didn't realise this because I'm no, thinking no I'm, you're no. thinking I'm in
0: trouble. And he? when I jacked
1: him. I just heard the the crowd go ooh, like, yeah. and people were saying, oh, as it was happening, we thought, oh, they're doing wrestling shtick again. Right, but they said when high- you belted him with the thing, <laughs> it was like that wasn't fake. You no. cannot fake that. He just yeah. smashed this guy in the face. It
0: kind of became like, because you ever seen those things on the wrestling where if a fan jumps mm. into the ring, especially I Your think fair was game. one where Hunter, Hunter mm. and Stone Cold are in a yeah. match, and they were feuding at the time. Yeah. And at one point, someone, someone's trying, comes behind Hunter. or And one of them just starts wailing yeah. on this guy yeah. who was, you know, comes in with grievous, yeah. you know, intentions. Mm. And uh, it's like, if you get on, if you get in the ring, you're fair yeah. game. And man, yeah. dude, if you get in on stage, on stage. you are fair yeah, game, Yeah, but I was dude. more
1: thinking of the thing of this is a packed crowd. And because we were doing the glam thing, but yeah. we had the attitude and we were always that, you know, we'll... we'll Beat you up and steal your girlfriend, but we're going out there looking like, and I'm in a feather boa. So we we realized that when we thought it was hilarious, but some people get like, you know, fuck these These guys. guys, Yeah, and I'd be like, you know, after I beat you up, I'm going to take your girlfriend out. Because we thought it was funny, and we're again not realizing that some people don't realize that there's a wrestling shtick behind it. Just these guys are fucking idiots. But it was almost for our own amusement. So I think after a, a bit of that. People would come to the gig ready to go. Who the fuck do these guys think that? Because we'd do. I'd do an interview in Impress yeah. and talk about like how you know. I, in character. I, yeah, I'm probably going to be a bigger legend than Elvis Presley within the next <laughs> three years, and say it straight faced, and you know, just thinking it was funny. But then some people are reading this, going, "Who the fuck's this guy? Think he yeah. is?" And um, we did the. Uh, yeah, and after, so that revolver thing happens and then, but then it's, oh no, beat someone up on stage, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> just getting out of control, but sure. um, yeah, the, I didn't, I had that thing in my head that it's him or me, right. and I'm not a violent guy, No, says the guy who broke his hand, I can't play guitar anymore, but um, really, that's another story, but um, yeah. The uh, I remember thinking this is a packed audience. Yeah. I, I've got one chance to take him out. It was the Cobra Kai thing: strike first, strike hard. Yes, because I was. I felt terrible after it happened. Oh my god, what did I do? Is he okay? And yeah, yeah. But that's like, or oh, had I not done that, he may have knocked me on my ass, and then True. that would have been the end of it. Say, so, ah, that's the end of the band because we were talking so much shit. Yeah. But then things like that, we would just happen to back it up, but got by. On the skin of our teeth yeah. <laughs> It's like I don't want to make this a regular thing
0: No But at the same time you're like Because I just watched that um, The Dirt
1: on mm. Netflix mm.
0: And that first I'm not sure I mean because I'm not a massive Motley Crue fan So I don't know how yeah. much of it was embellished And how much of it was true But they're doing some gig And these guys are yelling at them And calling them pussies or whatever yeah. And then they get into a fight And then after the fight The crowd are like
1: Motley fucking yeah. Crue Yeah that's and then exactly what it was like Yeah
0: And that's a wrap, Sizzlers, episode 52, all done. So as I said that's an hour there we're going to release the second hour with Julian next week as a podcast uh, for part two so stick around next week to hear the rest of my conversation with Julian thanks for listening if you like this episode give the podcast a share on social media use the hashtag Art of Touring Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring Podcast if you are a first time listener to the show um, I hope you come on back each week and keep listening I'd love to have you as a part of the uh, the sizzler you know network of of frantic rad awesome people that listen to this show so please come on back each week uh, you are very much welcome to uh, to join me on this podcast journey where i talk with all these different characters and wrestlers and performers and, and mostly musos you're very welcome to come along uh, if you'd like to get in contact with me, please email me directly at art of touring at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to come on the show. If you're a touring musician or a performer or even a wrestler, hit me up or send me a message on Instagram at art of touring podcast. Uh, you can listen to art of touring podcast and you can download it on iTunes. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, please take a moment to give the podcast a rating within the podcast app on your phone and write a short review and stick around next week for another episode. They're released every week, mostly on Tuesdays for free. So come on back and have a listen with me. I'd love to have you back. Now let's get into some plugs. The outro music for The Art of Touring, which is a song you will hear in just a moment, uh, is called Start a Fire by The Passouts, and it is available to stream on Spotify or download on iTunes. You can grab the whole debut album by The Passouts on all digital platforms. If you'd like to grab a physical copy on either CD or vinyl, uh, then go to the thepassoutsband.bandcamp.com where you can get heaps of merch, including T-shirts, stickers, posters, and even skateboards. That's all from me this week. Before I go, I have a few shout-outs. Shout out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L big thanks to my guest this week Julian James be sure to check out Wrestle Rock when the shows are announced and go see Julian in the Millionaires Club spelt with a dollar sign okay Uh, and uh, come on back next week for part two of my conversation with Julian that's all from me this week thanks again for listening remember go to that Instagram photo be the first to comment on it and you will get to take home John Cena I will send it to you tune in next time for another episode of artist touring with a sith dog oh, oh, oh. Woo. remember this week's podcast was brought to you by John Cena's invisibility school where waving your hand in front of your face really will make you invisible
1: Are you working tomorrow, or have you got tomorrow off? Mania day. I'm
0: on. Um, I'm on school
1: holidays. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so I'll be. I'll
0: be heading over to um, your bass player's place to watch Mania. Going
1: over there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was going to go there, but I've. I've been going out to Baronia the last few years. Which. Yeah. So my mate said, "Why are we travelling halfway across Melbourne? We could just watch something that we're watching for free at home." Yeah. Um, do you want to? I'm just going to freeport. You do oh, okay. what you want to do. Yeah, I'll just
0: go one shot.
1: Yeah, I don't want to get you to. Uh, pickled for tomorrow my own show Mm. (laughs) Uh, what Mm. is it a car crash television if you you'll get uh, people talking with that right sorry I go a bit dirtier Oh, cool dude it's (laughs) probably
0: the second time a guest has brought some um, some alcohol oh really oh yeah well I didn't I
1: thought I was a bad etiquette and then I thought ah look you know Mania near eve well Mania
0: eve and like my my thinking is Whatever the guest wants to do, man. Right. Okay. Oh, oh I should I have bought some midgets
1: and some strippers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think it was um, a citrus jam. He he came around, but it was in like the peak of summer. Right. And he just brought a six pack of beer with him, and I don't really drink. Right. Yeah. Like beer, let alone like six. Like I mean, it was only three drinks, and I think by the end of the podcast, I'd maybe had two beers, mm. and it was quite nice. It was yeah. just kind of you know. But um, usually it is a school night where I can't really unwind like that. I I
1: won't drink during the week, but some nights are like this. It's like, oh, a little lip loosener helps you you get a bit Bit, bit more talkative. I didn't want to get too shy on that.
0: I love it. I love it. The lip loosener. (laughs)